I'm not going to lie. I don't know why NASA keeps reaching out to me and asking me if I want to interview scientists and astronauts. But who am I to say no to NASA? You know, if if I'm going to do it, you know, if they are, they're always saying that when they tell me that they want me to interview their people, they say, this is important. This is a a breakthrough. And honestly, I'm not hearing much about space. So I'll relay some space news and see what the context is for 2100. Because if we're on the cutting edge and I'm one of the few people who's reporting on it, Technically, I know about it, but I got to admit today, today, uh, I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm about to, the interview's in five minutes and we're talking about space lasers. Uh, I can't even like conceptualize a laser, but here we go into space. speaking with Dr. Jason Mitchell of NASA. Jason is the director of NASA's Space Communications and Navigations Programs, Advanced Communication and Navigation Technology Division, and is responsible for identifying, developing, and deploying new communications and navigation technologies in NASA missions. God damn is that a mouthful, but thank you to NASA for providing a bio for this very smart individual. Today, on this episode, we are talking about space laser technology, the first of its kind. They are attempting to use lasers in a functional capacity to transmit data. It's not as sexy as smashing into an asteroid, but he did say that this has potential to be as revolutionary as the internet. So, It might have ramifications for the future of communication in 2100. We talk about traveling to the moon and the initiative to get to the moon, which is the Artemis program. I'm learning a lot about what NASA's doing, and you guys will be too. The uh, music for this episode is by 10 Days. My theme music was by Griff, and last week's music was by Mel Bankroll. Here we go. Dr. Jason Mitchell. So obnoxious and I wasn't conscious Maybe I was toxic so maybe I should stop it I am so obnoxious and I wasn't conscious Maybe you are toxic so maybe we should stop it Hey, ho, where's my, where's my pay? So, I need my, need my pay Bro, you paved the, paved the road 
Okay, I'm going to admit this to you. I've been talking to a lot of NASA people recently. I just think I got on the press list and I could not be more gracious because I, I would not expect to be able to talk to high level scientists in with with such frequency. Um, and last last week or a couple weeks ago, I, I, I covered a that we were shooting um, an asteroid. We're hitting it with uh, a spacecraft. I've already lost that concept because I struggle to understand a lot of this space stuff. And this one, the thing that we're supposed to talk about today, um, I can't even conceptualize. So here's what I'm going to put forth. Uh, I'm going to try to explain what I think it is, uh, what I think is happening. And you, you adjust and you tell me if I'm right or wrong. Okay. Sounds good. All right. So on Sunday, Sunday morning from Cape Canaveral, we will be shooting what I believe is kind of a, a satellite. It's, it's, it's kind of like a satellite, and it is a laser something-something communication system that um, will optimize our ability to see space by about 10 times. Now, yeah, so the... Tell me, tell me where I've gone wrong. Tell me where I've gone right. Right. So, so the the launch will be for the STP Sat six satellite. That satellite will be hosting a payload called LCRD. So you can think about the payload as uh, the the collection of electronics and uh, optics and lasers that make up the LCRD demonstration, uh, the lunar communications relay demonstration. That satellite is going to go to geosynchronous orbit. Uh, that orbit is uh, about 20,000, 22,000 kilometers above the surface of the Earth. The reason that you want to go there is because the satellite will essentially stay in the same place in the sky. So you'll be able to look up uh, and see uh, that spot in the sky, and that satellite will remain there, um, moving around just a little bit as the Earth rotates. And that's important because the, the relay part, the R part of the demonstration, is initially to be able to connect two uh, ground sites together. One ground site is at Table Mountain facility in uh, California. The other is in Hawaii. Uh, and those are high altitude sites um, uh, targeting getting above the atmosphere. Um, so you, the L in the LCRD is lasers correctly. We'll be using lasers to communicate instead of radio frequency, uh, which is the most common uh, communication mechanism we use uh, now, uh, particularly from space. Uh, and there are certainly many um, radio frequency uh, applications at geo. Satellite radio is clearly one of them, right? I mean, that's been um, been around for quite some time. Uh, and so we're going to be looking to demonstrate communication from one site to another using lasers. Now, why do you want to use lasers? Um, just you like took the words on... right out of my mouth. I was going to say there's a couple <laughs> things that 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 bear explanation. One, is there another example of laser communication? Sure. Well, we've, we've done technology demonstrations with lasers uh, in the past. In fact, um, quite a few years ago, we had a lunar laser communication demonstration, LLCD, that we used a laser to communicate from the moon. Um, but that was a technology demonstration. This is actually an operational demonstration. Um, this is what I'm talking about. I'm talking about function. Does it have, yeah. is, there, is there a modern function with it yet? Um, not right now. So this is really our this is our first attempt to get to optical operational relay capability. 
Um, and, and we're really looking to do the same thing we do terrestrially, right? Terrestrially, almost all the data that is transferred in backhaul from site to site uh, is already done with lasers. It's done, uh, this, those lasers are bound up in fiber optic cables. Uh, and so we're not using cables. These are direct free space laser from point to point, from space to ground. And we wanna do exactly the same thing. You, you want a fatter pipe to get your data. You want more data, you want it faster. You don't wanna wait uh, when, you're, <laughs> when your next episode uh, is coming from your streaming service, when you're binging, you wanna keep getting that data and we wanna get as much as fast as possible and that's why we're moving the lasers. So here's, so I'm, I'm gonna try to put it in the, in the, in the softer terms. So we are shooting up a rocket, which is carrying a payload of a, a a a bunch of technology. One, some of its lasers, some of its like stuff that make the lasers work. Yada yada. That will be shot up, and it will be the midpoint of technology between California and Hawaii. Yeah, for testing. Yes. Cool. What is the future application of this? What is the the, the thought process going into this? Um, how could this be beneficial? So the, the, we try to leverage all of the lessons we learn ever forward, right? Because we're, we're always trying to assemble an ever growing puzzle from little pieces. And so the R in the LCRD, again, I mentioned is the relay part. We have a lot of experience operating relays uh, around Earth. In fact, many decades uh, of operating relays around Earth uh, from the TDRS system, uh, tracking and data relay satellite system. Uh, that's RF-based. And that gives uh, any location on Earth real-time access to get its data from one location to another. If you're in a challenging uh, location like McMurdo Station in Antarctica, you sometimes need help getting your data from your source location to the target location where someone wants to analyze it, right? And so that's where relays come in handy. Relays are also useful for space users. So having that real-time 24-7 access capability is important to make sure that you can deliver your data in a priority fashion. Now, what's the lesson learned for the future? If we want to think about sustainable presence, uh, crude or robotic, uh, throughout the solar system, the moon right now with the Artemis program is our target. So once we think about sustainability at the moon, where you have crew living and working on the surface, you have many assets uh, in orbit around the moon, as well as in cis-lunar space in between that are supporting, right? Because you, you may have to be uh, have a logistics chain that is delivering things from the earth to the moon and likewise from the moon to earth. You need to have a complete communication and navigation architecture to enable that. This LCRD demonstration is a step in that uh, puzzle piece assembly because we'll use that Artemis program, the lessons learned about how to do sustainable capability, uh, leveraging those, those lasers to give us those fat pipes for the data back to Earth to think about what we would need to do to enable crew at Mars, right? To be able to have sustainable presence at Mars. And really any place in the solar system where we want to have um, a large volume of data to, to come back and analyze because you don't make discoveries without data. And the more data you have, the more discoveries you can make. I have so many questions, but I'm going to go with a quick one. I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask a quick one. And I'm going to ask you to explain lasers because you said that there's lasers in the wires. You say 
that these lasers are going to be in the sky. And I know that I think the public probably has a hard time conceptualizing lasers. So I guess the first question is, will the laser have a beam? Will there be any light? Will it be visible? So there will be light. Uh, it is laser light, but it's not visible. Uh, uh, it's in what we would call the near infrared. Uh, so, so it's the, like you almost you need a UV light or something. Uh, right, but lower. Uh, okay. So the um, you know hu humans see uh, in a in a wavelength sense. Humans see something like uh, from 400 nanometers, uh, where one, one nanometer is a, a decimal point and eight zeros followed by a one, so very mm -hmm. small. Uh, the from about 400 nanometers, which is UV, down to about 700 nanometers, uh, which is uh, the red. And mm -hmm. so these lasers are, are bigger waves than that. So below red uh, at about 1,550 nanometers. Mm -hmm. So if you think about a, a, a micrometer, so uh, a decimal point and five zeros and a one, uh, human hair is about 30 micrometers. And the laser wavelength for these lasers will be about 1.5 nanometers. So um, quite a bit smaller. So second question about lasers. Um, is there any like ramifications of having a free flowing laser? Uh, sure. Um, you know, the it's electromagnetic energy, right? And if you think forward about those puzzle pieces for sustainability, um, with crew, uh, at the moon, for example, whenever you have crew tending a vehicle or tending a location uh, where they're living and working, you absolutely must consider every aspect that impacts their safety. That is specifically why we chose the wavelength of these lasers, this 1550 nanometer uh, frequency, is because it's eye safe. So you would not receive damage from uh, having one of these beams intersect your eyes. Um, they're not, not dangerous for you to walk uh, in between them, so they're, they're low enough energy uh, that they, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't hurt you. Uh, and you could avert damage to your eyes specifically because of the wavelength choice. And nothing with like planes or anything flying through it? So that's a great question. We, we actually, there should be no issue with it because again, of the choice of the frequency that we are operating these lasers at. However, we do coordinate with all the relevant federal agencies, FAA uh, and something called the, the laser clearinghouse to make sure that during our experiments, we will not be uh, inadvertently illuminating any aircraft or uh, in fact, any spacecraft that might be between our source uh, and sync, our transmit and receive uh, for, these, for these laser beams. So uh, and, and safety uh, is paramount. Got yeah, no, I, I was thinking about that because I just, I just don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know enough about lasers. I don't think the general public knows enough about lasers. Um, beyond that, you, you, you're mentioning moon stuff that this could be useful for moon exploration, something like that. Is that something that NASA is working back towards? Because a criticism I've had about just life in general, and is that we haven't had anyone on the moon in my lifetime. And I think that it would be a great morale booster just for humanity to have a person on the moon. Uh, it sounds like you're talking about moon stuff. Are, can you, are you, do you, is that something you see or is that something that's thought about often? Absolutely. Uh, it's, it's a essential piece in our Artemis program, right? Remember that Artemis one will uh, soon be sending the first uh, craft around the moon again in preparation for the Artemis two mission which will be the first sending of humans back around the moon, right? That'll be testing that we can uh, get humans out uh, and back safely. 
And that is, again, precursor to Artemis III, which will be actually the return of humans to the surface of the moon. And in fact, we have uh, a laser payload on Artemis II that will be our test of optical communication technology from a crewed vehicle, uh, from the Orion vehicle. And so it absolutely is playing a part in the future puzzle assembly uh, of what sustainability will look like at the moon as part of the Artemis program. And I'm very excited uh, to be thinking about and working on these things uh, to enable this capability for the future. And beyond that, we're, we're looking towards the year 2100, as I prefaced. Um, what, where do you see the, the future of, actually, we'll stick with just, just the lasers for now. What potential growth could you see of this technology uh, for the people of the year 2100? Do you have, what, what role do you think lasers will play? I think it'll, it'll, so I think there's two aspects to that. One is it's, as everyone already knows, it's very difficult to predict the future, right? We, we never really know um, where things will go. I mean, who, who knew that uh, a little known investment uh, from the old uh, AARPA program um, would turn into the internet, right? And, and what we have today with business commerce and the ability to stream music and video and have all the stuff on demand, I think clearly, going forward, even, even in the relatively short term, lasers with respect to space communication are going to serve that purpose. And in fact, it's already uh, moving in that direction now. If you think about uh, all of these uh, satellite constellations that are commercially being built up, um, you think about uh, like Starlink uh, and, and the other uh, commercial capabilities, they're already using lasers to do space to space links. So that is lasers to communicate data from one spacecraft to another with no atmosphere in between. Those links are much, much easier to use uh, and, are, and have hardware that is commercially available. The challenge is the space to ground link because of the atmosphere. And again, that goes back to what we're planning on learning for the operational impact of that capability um, for, for us with the LCRD uh, project. And so that future clearly will be lifting the terrestrial network up into space, because if you can transfer the data out in space, you can get it to your location faster. That extends directly to the moon. All the activity that would be going at the moon, you would collect that data and send it back through a fatter pipe to the earth to eventually be um, delivered to the ground. That exact same scenario of lifting that network up and having networks of networks, just like the internet on earth, to be able to have a, a LunaNet, a network at the moon that has relays that relay optically data to Earth, a MarsNet that would support crude activity at Mars, that could relay data to the moon or to Earth. It depends on what is the best way to get your data from point A to point B. Uh, and I've been told we have time for one last question. I just want to say thank you for talking to me. I appreciate this. This has been very uh, informative and interesting. Uh, last question. I've been noticing a lot of, uh, with NASA, the, the types of missions we're going on. Like last week, the DART mission with the, with the asteroid and this, uh, we're doing lasers. And I believe next week I'm talking to someone about x-rays. Hmm. Is something going on? What, what is going on? I'm seeing a lot of productivity. Uh, is this all in collaboration for Artemis 3 and getting to Mars and stuff? Have you guys uh, like picked up the slack? What is going on? I, I, I'm just seeing a lot of, I'm just seeing a lot out of you guys. We're busy beavers. Um, yeah. <laughs> we, do, we, do, we do a lot of things, right? So um, 
we, the, you mentioned x-rays. One of the things that we do is we learn by leveraging the entire electromagnetic spectrum from the very, very low radio to explore um, other galaxies, uh, all the way up to x-rays to explore other galaxies and everywhere in between. So that's one of our specialties is we look at how to exploit the electromagnetic spectrum over its entire range to collect data that enables us to make discoveries because technology drives exploration. Last thing, uh, do you have anything that you'd like to say to the people of the year 2100? <laughs> uh, I hope the lasers are still working. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been great. Uh, thank you so much for your time. Uh, this is Dr. Jason Mitchell. What is your formal title with NASA so I don't get it wrong? Formal title is I'm the director for the Advanced Communications and Navigation Technologies Division in the Space Communication and Navigation Program at NASA. And you, you see why I had you say that because <laughs> that's a pattern. I have trouble too. No, thank you so much. I, I appreciate it. Thank you for your interest. I don't give a fuck, you know I'm rich I don't give a fuck, I'll make this quick I'ma step back and hit a switch Hey, oh my god, bitch I don't give a fuck, you know I'm rich Shawty gotta lay my do it better I'ma go stack up on all this cheddar Whoa. That pussy shine and glitter I'ma go count up on all of these figures I'ma go eat it for lunch and then dinner I'ma go bust out like we playing Twister Hey, oh my god, bitch I'ma count blues on top of the Swiss I'ma bend ten like both of my wrists None of you niggas could get like this Oh my god, bitch Oh my god, yeah. Oh my god, bitch. Oh my god, yeah. Oh my god, bitch. I don't give a fuck, you know I'm rich. I don't give a fuck, I'll make this quick. I'ma step back and hit a switch. Oh my god, bitch. Can't stand you, your boyfriend's a bitch. If you was poor, you leave real quick. I'm like, oh, and that's it for this week's show. Apparently, I'm doing a mini series about space and the latest space technology so that. It can be interpreted by the people of the year 2100 because today, honestly, talking to Dr. Jason Mitchell gave me hope. We're going to fucking the moon in my life. In my life, we're going to the fucking moon. You heard it here first, as a Jason Peters promise, is that we're going to the goddamn moon. Uh, and I know that he didn't exactly say that, but he gave me hope that we'd go to the moon. I think he did say that, that we'd go to the moon. But please support 10 Day. He's a phenomenal musician and a great guy. Uh, and shout out to OG Griff for making uh, my theme music. And thank you to NASA. Shout out NASA. Big up NASA. Uh, and Dr. Jason Mitchell. And I hope you guys learned about lasers. I think we're talking about x-rays next week. Unless, unless NASA hears this and gets annoyed. <laughs>